Well, that was certainly a huge comeback last night. The Brooklyn Nets down 24 by as much as 24 down by 21 at halftime to the Suns who were ripping and roaring, shooting damn near 70%. It felt like. And James Harden just turns it on. Joe Harris goes bananas. Hell, even Tyler Johnson, somebody who's, who's a reserve guard for them. Pours in 17 points. Uncle Jeff Green, veteran and wily as ever, ends up leading a comeback in a stunner in Phoenix after Devin Booker went ahead and killed it in the first quarter with 18 points. But dang, man, I did not see that one coming. What's up, guys? Keeping it at 94. Another episode with myself and Brian Fritz. Part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. Uh, it was funny. I was watching that game last night and um, I started flipping around channels because they were down, you know, by, you know, 20 plus points. It was in the third quarter and I didn't see much life. And I thought, you know, hey, uh, this isn't looking good, but this is the NBA in the 21st century in that you can be down 20 points in the third quarter and because of the way the game is, especially this season, that uh, those comebacks are not as uh, rare as they used to be. No, no. And, I, I, you know, it's funny because what Brooklyn did to get back in it was play defense. So who to thunk it, right? Who would have thunk that defense is actually part of the game? Yep. So as soon as they started defending, they got the ball out of Devin Booker's hands. He didn't see many looks in the second half. And when he did, he was kind of out of rhythm, didn't have what, he had going on there in the first quarter or the first half in general. Um, I mean, the Suns bench played well campaign, uh, had a solid effort. Cam Johnson had a good game, but their main guys didn't have a rhythm. And once they started getting into their shirts, I don't know if you saw Landry Shamit come up huge on that stop against Devin Booker in the, the post when Booker was trying to draw a foul. Unwise was- move by Booker to go down the post against Shamit. Sham Sham's a, he, he's got some strength. I mean, he might look small, but he's got some strength, man. Um, and then you look at the other side, James Harden just goes bonkers with these step back threes. And then, I mean, he had a couple where he, he drove into the lane. He had some nice passes. Some, some of those passes that the nets couldn't hang on to because they were so fast. I remember the one bounce pass to Timothy Lawawu Cabarro underneath TLC couldn't hang on to it. And that was before the comeback started. Well, he is the point guard. So these, we, we have that uh, figured out now that James Harden is in fact, the official point guard of the Brooklyn Nets. So everybody better get used to these passes. And we should, we should also mention that this was without Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving almost said Kevin Irving and Kyrie Durant. Sure. Why not? (laughs) I'm sure those mesh up picture uh, folks would have fun with that one, but, uh, that was a solid, solid win. And that was like I tweeted, it was a stunner. It was out of nowhere, kind of how they just kind of took the the breath out of that arena, especially the way Chris Paul played in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul was making threes like he was Damian Lillard or Stephen Curry. He kept doing a step back. Up. Yeah, he kept further, then further, then further. And it was just like, what is going on here? He, he was trying to will his team to make sure they were not going to lose that game. But you know, the nets are just too much. And like you said, the, I mean, this is without 
you know, two of the big three guys, which uh, makes it that much more incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's always funny to me how when a team gets up big, it seems like they either take their foot off the gas or they try to, you know, ease up a little bit and it comes back to bite them. And I think that would be an amazing study for, for somebody to, to dig into that and, and look how teams play, what their offensive and defensive ratings are when they're up by 20 plus, just to see if, if that theory kind of is, is true. So I might do that eventually to see if, find if there's a way to do that. Um, but this isn't just a podcast about the Nets and the Suns. We're going to talk about the NBA as a whole. But before we get into that part of our show, did want to tell you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. And on Instagram, I'm at Spin Davies as well. But he's at It's Brian Fritz. So don't forget about that. Uh, follow Basketball News on all of our platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook. Instagram. We're all over the place. Um, it's not just this podcast. It's 11 other podcasts. That's part of our network. So make sure you go check us out. Uh, lots of great stuff there and on basketballnews.com. So to continue, Brian, uh, you wanted to talk about the Bucks. So I'll talk about the Bucks with you because I saw them, you know, twice when they were here in Cleveland and I've been keeping a good tab on them here while Drew Holiday has been out uh, with the health and safety protocols. Uh, but they've dropped four in a row. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are hitting the panic button. Giannis Antetokounmpo says, whoa, 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 don't do that. Almost like his friend Aaron Rodgers said, R-E-L-A-X. Giannis is saying, let's cool it down a little bit. This isn't a time to go nuts. We're still where we are in the Eastern Conference. What do you think? Well, the way that I've looked at Milwaukee is... I don't think they have found their groove yet all season. And I understand that there was, you know, some changes in the off season. I think we all wondered like, what are the bucks going to do to take that big step forward? And they've gotten good contributions out of Drew Holiday, as you expect. I think Bobby Portis has really played a lot better than most people expected. And we talked about that before, but there's still some missing pieces to this team. And it doesn't feel like they have the same kind of swagger that they had last year when they were just kind of steamrolling the Eastern Conference. And I keep waiting for that. You know, Giannis is playing really, really well. I think we kind of play that down because, you know, he's won back-to-back MVPs. He has been so dominant. I'll keep harping on this. I keep waiting to see if he's going to take the next step in his game when it comes to what he can do in the clutch and being a little bit more consistent with his jumpers. But, you know, Middleton's played great. I think Holiday's played really well. It just comes down to that bench and be able to shut down teams at the right times of games because, they have these problems, you know, especially late in games when it comes to both ends of the court, quite honestly. And I keep waiting to see Milwaukee kind of step it up because they'll either win by blowout or they have a tough time in these close games. And I want to see if they can kind of get past that hump and really come together here. I mean, they're still one of the better teams, obviously, in the Eastern Conference, but you know, they've lost four in a row now. They're only 16 and 12. We've got a really good sample size in the season so far. And I want to see if this is going to be the norm for them or if they're going to be able to kind of get past this this speed bump. Well, you talked about the bench. I thought it was interesting because Bryn Forbes has been starting in Drew Holiday's absence. Um, he did not close the game last night. It was Pat Connaughton instead. Pat Connaughton had a huge game, by the way. I don't know if you saw his, his, his box score. Um, but I think that was very telling. Uh, I'm expecting more 
and, and I always go to bat for this guy because I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, but somebody who's kind of been on a downswing during this this losing streak is Chris Middleton. And he's always been Giannis's, you know, the 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 Robin to his Batman and has done a really good job uh before. But he's just not asserting himself enough for me just in this stretch. Don't get me wrong, not the entire season, but I'm seeing a lot less aggressiveness. I'm seeing a lot more of the playmaking side of Chris Middleton this season, which is fine, but he's still got to be able to, to do his thing, take shots when you have the opportunities. I know that he's always looking for the, the best shot and not the, the, you know, you know, he wants a good, a great shot instead of a good shot, but you, you got to assert yourself within this offense uh, because you're a key cog and you're someone who, who's an efficient basketball player. Who's a two-time all-star somebody who really makes a difference on both ends. And he's just kind of hesitant if that's the right word for it. Um, I feel like Dante DiVincenzo is somebody who's tried to step up in that way. Uh, he's closed a lot of games and played very well. Uh, really taking that mantle of of trying to to take the big time shots and uh, making some sol- some big time shots. Uh, he was one of eight from three last night against Toronto in the loss. As we record this on a Wednesday morning, but at the same time, at least he's taking those shots, and you know they're good looks. And, and he's also doing his hand in playmaking and playing defense. So. But uh, I think that's, one of the that's problems- at least something good for them, but they just need another guy to step up while Drew Holiday is on the sidelines with these uh, protocols. That's the thing right now is like, who is that third guy? And when you look at their bench, they've got problems galore on that bench because. Well, their third guy is Drew Holiday. It's right now who's their sure, third guy. Right. But I mean, when it comes to overall on the on the season, like they're getting good contributions and regular contributions from Connaughton and from Portis. But outside of that, everybody else is kind of all over the place and they can't depend on those guys coming off the bench. Augustine, you know, he's getting a lot of assists, but you know, outside of that, I mean, he's not going to necessarily be counted on as a scorer, but he hasn't um, his plus minus is all over the place and he hasn't been able to contribute defensively or as a, as a scorer off the bench. Um, you know, you're, like I said, they're not getting consistent play out of enough guys on their bench overall. And you really need that now because you do have a drew holiday that is out and they need to kind of make up for that. And, you know, you try to rely on your bench a little bit more. They're not getting that. Um, I think even when holiday was there, it's still, you're depending a little too much on your starters. I mean, there's a reason why they're starters and the reason why they're going to play the bulk of the, you know, the minutes, but at the same time, you've got to get a little bit more out of this bench and they have not been able to do that consistently. All right, Brian. So one of the teams that the bucks lost to during this road, this road trip uh, and their losing streak is the Oklahoma city thunder. And we haven't had a really a chance to talk about them too much on this podcast. So this is going to be, a nice little stretch where we can just open up and talk about what Mark Dagnall is establishing there with the Thunder. I I know that you look at this roster and you say, wow, this is bottom five. If you look at it and you look at it on paper. But these guys, you will not outwork them. You will have to earn and scrap for every point against them. 
I don't care what the numbers are. I'm watching games and who they're playing. They are fun. They are just a bunch of young, young cats that are in every game they play. And are they winning them? No. But is this not the point of what a rebuild is? To get into these situations, to learn from these situations so that you get better from them in the long run. You know, everyone's like, oh, you don't win the game. Who the hell cares? No, not when you have guys that are in their lower 20s going out there and putting their damn bodies on the line. And not to mention only that, but making big plays and playing in big moments. We didn't look, we, we, we talked about the Lakers last week and how Lou Dort was up on LeBron James. And yeah, even though LeBron made him look like a fool, you think that's not a big moment for him? You think it's not a big moment for Lou Dort to be in Damian Lillard's face when he drains a 35 footer to, to basically put the game away. That's not big for them because they're doing the right things. They're just getting beat by better teams because they're not as good as them, but it doesn't matter because they have a compete level that I think is probably top five in the NBA as well. I think one of the things that really impresses me outside of just how hard they compete is that they're able to do it so often, even without some of the best players, like, you know, SGA been without Shea Gilgis Alexander for the last like three or four games. Right. And they're still been playing in these games. They have still been very competitive and, you know, they you didn't talk- have a point guard against Milwaukee. I mean, you, you talked about those games, you know, when it came to them facing LeBron or facing, uh, you know, Damian Lillard, the loss that they had on Tuesday night. I'm like, Damian Lillard hit an incredible shot. I don't think you could have defended him any better. When he Dora was right was, in his face. And he was, it was from a long distance. I mean, come on. This was not an easy shot. I mean, this is a ridiculous shot. It's one of those things where only, you know, like you feel like there's like three or four people in the entire league that can hit this shot, you know, and Dame is one of them. You look at, you know, you talked about him matching up with LeBron. I'm like, LeBron hit a very tough shot. That's all you can ask of defenders. Make it as tough as possible. And those guys made tough shots. All you can do is tip your hat. You know, they're playing really good defense. Uh, But I mean, you look at, you know, those losses, you know, over the past week, they lost a couple of really, really tight games to the Lakers. They lost a very, very tight game to the Nuggets. Um, You know, they beat the Bucks. They lost a pretty, a very competitive game to the Blazers on Tuesday night. They're competing. They're in these games. You have to work to beat the Thunder. And, you know, you look at the way that they're putting this team together, it's probably going to be a far cry from, you know, what we see over the next, you know, one, two, three seasons, considering cap space and all the picks that they have and how aggressive they're going to go after getting some star players. But you look at a foundation that they have, and it's not just SGA and it's not just Dort, who's been fantastic and is probably going to get paid here really well because he's transformed his game into being a a three and D guy. But when you look at Diallo, and what he's been able to do at shooting guard. That and dude crashes the glass hard. He crashes the glass like he's a center. He's I'm watching this dude. He's he one, he looks strong doing it. Two, he's just on the he's on the, the attack half the time that I'm watching him, man. He he's really gotten that like next step, and it is his third year. He's only 22, don't forget. Um, but I did not see that coming from him uh at least this soon but he's so and, athletic and he, oh, like extremely he's so athletic. springy and everything the other guy that that really impresses me so much is Darius Baisley yes who I don't even think realizes how good he can be yet because he has so much height and so much skill and I think it's just 
figuring out the three. That's all it is. Figuring out the three and making, make, you know, making that uh, more of a consistent shot because we know he's not a 27% three point shooter. Yes. He's so much better than that. But just saw get, it in the bubble, get more confidence in him and just get more consistency out of him because I think he's got all the tools to be a very, very good player. And uh, Teo Maladon, I think, is a rookie that needs to be watched more. Uh, he doesn't have the the sexiest numbers per se, but he's very crafty. I think I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, he missed that game that I was talking about against the Bucks, but he played last night, um, and 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 looked pretty okay. Uh, but but before the injury happened, I mean he he was really on a nice little roll, just making the right plays. He's just not someone that demands the ball too much, um, other than when it's in his hands. I mean. Uh, because he is he is that like maestro type of of, of point guard, um, but he does let it fly a lot. Um, Can I mention one other guy here too that I kind of wonder about? Hmm. Al Horford has come alive here recently. Yeah, that one's interesting. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's and almost the, like he's taking the 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 lead from Chris Paul and taking a team, uh, you know, a thirty something, taking a team that everyone thought would be in the bottom bottom. Uh, and and making them into a competitor. And here's the thing I wonder about Al. Okay, so we know that he signed that big contract. He is on the hook for $27.5 million this year. He is, his salary goes down next year, actually goes to 27. And then the following year, he is $26.5 million, but there's only guaranteed for 14 and a half. So you can look at him and saying, okay, it's still a big number, but if he's playing better and his contract isn't too bad, especially after this season, maybe his contract isn't as bad as some people thought, and maybe they can actually get something for him. Yeah, I think it all depends on whether he stays healthy or not, too, because that's something he's had an issue with um, in the past. So, oh, absolutely. We'll we'll see on that front. And I also too uh, want to wrap up the Thunder talk. I, I want to just shout out Justin Jackson. This is somebody we thought was dead in the water who had never been able to establish a role with any team, and he just looks like he's comfortable with this team, uh, whether it's coming off the bench or whether it's spot starting for somebody. Uh, that game against the the Bucks was awesome, and then he came up big in that game uh, against the Nuggets as well. Uh, back-to-back 20-point performances. I don't know the last time he did that. Maybe it was in Sacramento. I don't know, but uh, I just love seeing that, you know, when those those guys that aren't really depended on as much uh, to step up and uh, a young player like him who's still been searching. Uh, and, you know, granted, he's 25 years old. That's still pretty young. So we'll see if he can, you know, come into his own on a more consistent basis. Uh, I, you, you don't have a mention here, but I had a nugget for you. Not the Denver Nuggets, but I just had a nugget for you on that Damian Lillard shot. Sure. Found a cool, cool stat. Uh, Brad Botsis of uh, CBS Sports NBA. Uh, I'm just going to read you the paragraph. The Blazers operate on a razor-thin margin with over half of their games so far meeting the NBA's clutch criteria. This means within five points uh, with under five minutes to play. In those clutch minutes, Damian Lillard has now scored 74 total points which is the most in the league while shooting 60% for the field, 40, 46% from three and 100% from the free throw line, 23 of 23. And most importantly, the Blazers have gone 11 and three in those games that are in clutch minutes. 
with a plus 40 point differential. And they've been doing it lately without arguably their second best player. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I think that's even crazier is that CJ McCollum hasn't been around and Yusuf Nurkic haven't been around. It's been the young pups. It's been Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. that have been doing this. Even CJ Ellaby, their rookie, uh, when he's gotten some playing time, has made a, a difference. Gary Trent Nasir Jr. Little. Nasir Little. Yeah. Yo, Gary Trent Jr., I don't know if people realize how good he is. He is really, really good. Yeah, he's a, he's a gunner, man. He can shoot the ball. He can do a lot of things for them. And you would think like, oh, do they need another strength position, strength person, you know, when it comes to that backcourt? Because you've got Dame and you got CJ, but it's just like, he fits. He fits, you know, when they really want to and they want to go small or they just need somebody to take a rest or whatever. Like he, the three of them together is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have been remiss to not mention Enos Cantor. Um, he's been really stepping it up. His 18th I, stint with the team. I, dude, I'm telling you, man. But but he can just, he's somebody that just crashes the, the offensive glass like nobody else in the league. And we've known this, but he just does it so often that it, it's just, it's crazy how many second chance opportunities that guy can get you. And if you can only- whine and cry about the pick and roll defense as much as you want to but he's able to score really efficiently too in pick and rolls and in pick and pops, whatever you want to give him. Yeah. If only he could defend that, that that's always going to be the crutch on him. But Cantor is a good big man off the bench that can get you points and rebounds. I mean, he has flaws, but don't tell me yeah. he can't start for a playoff team. Don't oh, tell I think, that. He, I think he can, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's going to be situational. He can start for a team. It just depends if he can close in close games. Which, which is a fair, fair assessment and a uh, fair criticism. But that's, that's crazy um, that what the Blazers are doing. But I, I have a question for you, and I don't want to be this guy because I don't really like to make fetch happen. But with the way that Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons have played, and Simons has been getting trade scuttle uh, from around the league because teams are interested, would you stick with those two over CJ McCollum while he's on the sideline, the way that they're playing, or would you continue to have CJ play with the team, play with Damian Lillard and keep it rolling? Because I think that's a question a lot of people have on their mind. If they're seeing Gary Trent produce the way he has and this groove that he's in playing 30 minutes a night, by the way, I feel like they look at that and be like, well, we're winning without them. But it's one of those things where we've seen this before, where a star player goes down, a team still wins, and they're like, do we really need that guy? And it's like, well, yeah. And CJ we- was playing at a damn near all-star, exactly. well, not all-star level when he, you know, before he went down. So again, don't get me into that, you know, that, that bad category. But it's something that I'm literally pondering just because it's allowed Damien to, to kind of take over a, a little bit more. It's allowed, you know, other guys to, to kind of come into their own during this time. Maybe that's just better for them for when they do get moved back to the bench and, you know, they're coming off and, and playing a certain role like they will in, in more, uh, you know, conserved minutes. But at the same time, I think that also could take away from their groove a little bit. Well, I think what it does is it opens up more possibilities, whether it's this year 
or probably this off season of saying, we've got guys that can step up into this position. We have multiple people that could possibly play, you know, at two guard. So if we need to make a move, if we are, if we need to strengthen up another position, which obviously they, they do because, you know, they, they still haven't made it to, you know, an NBA, you know, championship game anytime recently. Yeah. And, then it allows them those opportunities to say, okay, we've got some pieces now that are attractive around the league. It depends on what they could get for those pieces as well. I mean, there's always got to be somebody that, that wants what you have and they've got to have something that you want as well. But I, I think what it does is it at least opens it up for some other opportunities to say, okay, we know we need to make a deal. We've got some guys that are attractive and guys that we can get something for. Yeah. And I have never been a, a, a proponent for splitting Damon CJ. So let me make that perfectly clear. And I still wouldn't be, but I, I, I've literally just been thinking about it just ever since I've watched the Blazers since he's gone down. That's all. You could still get the most for CJ just because he is the second best player on that team. And because of the money that is involved, he'd be the first best player on a lot of teams. He, yeah, he would be. Um, but I mean, I don't think they, you know, I can see Simon's being moved just because, I don't think he is as important to that team, but they're the guy that if I was some other teams that you know, you'd have to give a lot for, I think is Gary Trent. Yeah. Just because yeah. of what he can do, because you look at him as, you know, a strong shooting guard that can start, or he can be a possible six man, you know, on that team. And um, I don't, I don't know what you'd have to give up, but it would, it would have to be pretty darn good to get something for him. Yeah, and that's tough too when he's on a contract, his rookie contract. So that's the other problem too is you have to start looking at some of these contracts and what these guys make. Like Simons doesn't make a ton of money either, so that that makes it a lot more difficult. You know, when it's just like, okay, so do I really want picks when I'm I'm in contend now mode? No, I want a player. I want a good player, and it's probably going to be somebody that um, doesn't match up, you know, contractually. Right. All right. Celtics got off the Schneid finally. You know, they'd lost four of their last five. Um, it wasn't pretty when they faced the Washington Wizards, who, by the way, um, I kind of want to go into that, too, after this. But we'll leave that uh, in the past a little bit. or We'll, we'll leave that for a little bit uh, later. But uh, Celtics win against the Nuggets on Tuesday night. Uh, I thought that they had a nice bounce back effort. Uh, Jalen Brown looked solid uh, as always. He's, he's just, we talked about him already as most improved player. I think it's, it's almost, almost a wrap, <laughs> but I, I, what I wanted to bring up, and this is something that's very interesting to me is the Boston bench. And Brad Stevens has tweaked his rotation to kind of get a spark. Now we know that Peyton Pritchard's been playing. Uh, but it's a guy like Aaron Neesmith who's entered the fold as of late, the rookie out of Vanderbilt. And uh, he's been really solid. I, I think, you know, people were really quick to kind of pull the trigger on, or, or, you know, like make a, an assumption about him because he wasn't getting playing time. But I'm loving the, the hustle out of this dude um, who has played you know, a, a lot of minutes he's played, let's see here, 24 and 28 minutes in the last two. And before that had been playing, he had a two minute outing against 
the the Raptors eight minutes and five minutes before that. So uh, something all of a sudden made Brad Stevens say, hey, I got to play the Rook. Um, Maybe it's because Jeff Teague has been so horrible and has fallen out of the rotation now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that's a father time deal, man. I don't know. Uh, but, Everybody but, has a different clock and his clock, I think, has, uh, you know, hit midnight. It's it's definitely approaching if it's if it's not already there. Um, but I love what I saw at Smith. And again, you know, you look at these box scores and you see, oh, he only scored nine points and had five, uh, four rebounds. You know, that's that's the casual answer. But when you look at the timeliness of the threes that he made, the big time defensive plays he made um, against the Nuggets, those are the things that are going to stick in your mind. How about Time Lord? Time Lord had one hell of a uh, stat line. And if you don't know who Time Lord is, uh, that's Robert Williams. Got the nickname because he was late for his first uh, practice or meeting or something uh, during his rookie year. Uh, but this is a, a guy who's shown flashes in multiple seasons now that just hasn't, hasn't gotten the playing time that, uh, we'd have expected him to, but he went out and had five steals last night, had eight and eight, uh, in spelling, uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, because they did not have Daniel Tice available. Uh, as we know, he got hurt. Um, Grant Williams just was a, a DNP, which I thought was a little interesting. Uh, but. Steven stuck with a nine-man rotation. Shemi Ojale, that's somebody who's really uh, been been contributing on a consistent basis uh, more often than not. I know he was kind of out of the rotation last season, uh, but Brad Stevens has been relying on him a lot uh, in the month of February. And I, I think that he's liking the, the defensive attitude that he brings to the table and also just the willingness to shoot the three. Uh, but but you're going to need guys like that when Jason Tatum's still getting his his breath back. He already said that, uh, you know, COVID has been messing with his lungs a little bit, uh, the post effects at least. Um, Kemba Walker, at the very least, has had a little bit of rhythm the last two games. Still not sure on that one. Not going to make any conclusions, uh, but they're going to need him as well. Peyton Pritchard has been kind of the guy that kind of came out of nowhere, you know, when it comes to playing well off the bench for this team, and has really been a godsend for them, just in the I, draft, it, it, you know, just in the draft itself, and and just the clutch gene. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I mean, I don't know what they were expecting this out of him so far this year, but he has been a real steady hand coming off the bench. You know, this is a team that's missing Marcus Smart, and he is really the heart and soul of this. Yes, team. he is. Yes, he is he the is. guy that bad he like holds that. everybody accountable. You say we are going to grind on the floor. We are going to play hard. Look at Jalen Brown the other night after you know they lost four straight, and he was asked about like rotations. He was like, "No comment," because Jalen Brown's pissed along with some other people. You know, Kemba Walker actually said, "We got to play harder." You know, because they, you know, even though he had been struggling, he's just like this team is just not playing hard enough. And and I think you know, and maybe that goes to the rotation changes that we just talked about. I, I I think it does. And, you know, I do like that Jalen Brown is speaking up because so many times we sit here and we talk about, you know, who's the best guy in that team? You know, is it Tatum? Is it Brown? Because Brown's taking such a big step. And I think I think when it comes to being on the court for them, for the Celtics to really maximize what they can do, I think Tatum probably needs to best, be the best guy on the court. However, I think Jalen Brown probably needs to be the leader of this team because Tatum is kind of more of a, I'm not going to let my words do my talking for me. I'm going to show you what I can do on the court kind of a guy. 
Jalen Brown, I think, has been a little bit more vocal, especially as this year's gone on. His play has improved, and I think he's seen a need for like, hey, somebody's got to speak up a little bit more, especially when Marcus is gone. So I think that's kind of the way that I look at this team. All of that being said, they need something else. They need more off that bench. They need more consistency. They've got that huge TPE for $28.5 million. They've got to do something. I'm not saying that they have to make the biggest splash. I'm not saying that they have to use all of it. They've got to use some of it. They've got to do something because they need another piece. Al Horford fits into that. It's funny you say that because uh, he does fit into that. So Al Horford, that would be um, a reunion. I would say it's kind of a big splash just from the standpoint of the amount of money that's involved. But I mean, there's some other pieces that that would, you know, definitely, you know, there's plenty of other pieces that would fit into that. You know, they don't have to use the whole thing. They can use half of it. You know, they could use 10 million of it. There are other pieces that are out there. I'm one of the guys that you've heard kind of bantied around a little bit is maybe like a Thaddeus Young. You know, who could really be a big guy is a toughness aspect too, man. Exactly. I can't imagine Thaddeus and Marcus being on the same floor, right? It's a toughness. It's an attitude. It's a professionalism that comes with bringing a Thad young onto your team. You know, I I've heard, and this is the, um, the dream scenario, the big scenario. Um, and I don't think, I don't really think this could happen, but a Nick Vucevic, would oh, fit man. into that as well. But I mean, you would have to give up so much and I don't think Boston has enough. And I don't even know if Orlando really wants to trade him because I'm of the opinion kind of that Orlando has always been, has been just treading the last couple of years. And even though Vooch is obviously their best player, that there comes a point where just treading every year is getting you nowhere. <laughs> And sooner or later, you've got to shake something up like really big. And that would be a massive bottoming out if they did that, if they traded Vooch. And it just depends on what they can get for him. Um, oh, I know they can get a lot, but would be, would Boston be able to step up enough with what they could give? I don't know if they really can. Um, but, you know, if Orlando was ever going to put Vooch on the market or be open to something with him, I mean, Boston, I think, would have to be taking a very, very long look at that and seeing what they could do. I'll throw a couple other names too. Yeah. Just because we were thought we were talking about the Thunder. They've got two vets on that bench. One who's dealing with injuries right now and another who's just completely out of the rotation. And that's George Hill and Trevor Reza. Um I think either of them could make a difference for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean the just Celtics from a depth standpoint. Yeah. Uh, we talk about you know what they need for the backup point guard position that Jeff Teague's not providing. That's one thing, and the second thing is what what other wing is going to come off the bench and spell Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Because right now Shemi Ojale is is pretty much the one that they're depending on. Adding a guy like Ariza who's been through it and knows what he's doing. I know he's a little older. But you're telling me he can't come off the bench and give you 15, 20 minutes? Look at what Rudy Gay's doing in, in, in San Antonio. The Celtics need a 3-4, a guy that can go back and forth between those positions, or they just need a, a, a big, a 4-5. A I mean, that, that's what they need. I, I don't think they really need I feel much like we've room. mentioned every position. Yeah, well, well I mean, I, I, mean I, I think they need guys that can... So they need a wing or they need a big is what they need because I, I think the backcourt is good enough because of the way Pritchard has played. Once you get Marcus Smart back, that's obviously going to help a lot. So I, I think they have bigger needs when it comes to 
you know, a three and D wing and a big to me, that, use, that, use the trade a, exception to go get Trevor Ariza. There you go. They I figured it out. out. They can, I they figured can it out. Do that. Figured it out. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, I don't know what they're looking at. I mean, Ariza has struggled the last couple of years. Maybe it's just a situation of where he has been. Is he another guy? Would they really want to risk it and think maybe father time has caught up with him considering that they just tried to do that with a, with the Jeff Teague and that did not work out. And this would be a bigger, bigger gamble because of the money that's involved. I don't know. Um, Ariza is a guy that if he does not get traded, I think he is a huge candidate, candidate yeah. you know, coming up here. So he would be somebody I would look at. I know some people have said, well, what about a JJ Reddick going to Boston? I'm like, what need does he fit? You know, yeah. being another backcourt guy that, you know, yeah, he can hit threes, but he's not going to be somebody that's going to play great. Defense. And he just looks, I mean, I know it's going to change when the situation changes, but he just does not. He looks off, man. I was watching that game against this last night. He just looks off there. I mean, you could just tell his mind is just not in the right place right now. Mm-hmm. And yep. even if he goes to another team, I don't think that's something where you can just, you know, flip the switch. It, it's going to take a little while, I think, for him to get his mindset right. 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 Can, can I also bring up one other thing, too, when you're talking about this Celtics Nuggets game from last night? Yeah. So the Nuggets have kind of been. Nicole Jokic up. scored 43 points and we're not talking about it. And this guy's like an MVP candidate and yeah. no one. Well, is we've even talked about it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and he's hitting like these ridiculous shots over guys where they just, you know, he just shoots right over he's top. Hitting of hand off, he's hitting handoff shots. They're, they're ridiculous. I was looking up that stat. Like, how, how is a big guy hitting handoff shots? But the guy that I want to talk about when it comes to the Nuggets, because they have been so up and down, is Michael Porter Jr. Because how many mm-hmm. times have we heard, like, for the Nuggets to take the next step, it's going to be him. You know, Porter's got to step up, and he's got so many tools. He's so young. You know, he's a guy that's 6'10", you know, 6'11", but is more of a wing guy, so athletic, inside-outside game, all these different things. He has not been consistent at all. He put up an offer. Last he night, did. Boston. Oh, great, right? Oh, and from the field, you know, so many times you've heard, "Oh, imagine what the Nuggets could get for him." And in all the words out of Denver is, "We're not trading him. We are not trading him. He is not on the market. We're not even going to entertain it. Don't even call. It ain't going to happen." And I've always kind of sat there and go, "Wait, I know you've got two younger pieces, but you know Murray and Jokic." Are there. Murray has had a bit of a slow start to the season. I think they look at that as he's working his way into it. We're not trading Jamal Murray. You know, no, he's obviously not going anywhere. Okay. So what else can they do to improve this team? If it's not going to come from within with Michael Porter Jr. playing better, I've always kind of thought like, why not entertain a deal for him? Because you can get so much of him because there is so much promise. And he is a guy that he's He's all over the place. I mean, you look at his game log over the last, you know, three weeks. Up, there's a 30, there's, there's a 17, there's a nine, there's 11, eight, 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 a 19, a 15, an eight, a zero. I mean, come on, man. I, I got to be getting at least 15 a night from him, you know, and, and along with other stuff, you know, including great defense. And that's why I've always kind of thought it was nuts. Like, why aren't you entertaining, you know, moving? Yeah, I wouldn't completely oh. shut it off. I agree. Right. Because I'm, like if there's someone like a Bradley Beal, you exactly. know, like or or you know, someone I believe it was a James Harden interest or something. That's uh, the one guy too. I, like you never really heard him with Harden, but that was the one I thought, like, oh man, just imagine that. I mean, there there's other things, you know. Uh how I'll throw one out there for you. 
what if the Pelicans get to a point where they say, you know what? We don't know if Zion and Brandon Ingram are the best fit together. Would they be interested in moving a Brandon Ingram? Would Jeez, Denver be interested I, in him? I, I don't think that the Pelicans are moving Brandon Ingram anytime just, soon. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen this season, but I'm just saying like, there's going to come to a point where they're going to sit there and say, okay, can these two guys really play well together or do we need to make a move? You yeah, know, because no, I, I agree with that. And this is one of those things that, that I actually finally see eye to eye with you on is Porter. This is the hard part. Porter is 22 years old and he's still developing, even though he's already an impact player. The, the issue is he's got to bring it elsewhere and play more complete games. And I actually did an article for basketballnews.com talking about that, how he can make a difference by just starring in the particular role he has. He's, the the scoring is going to come. He's got to attack the basket more. He knows that. He needs to stop pulling up in, you know, early in the shot clocks. He needs to listen to Nikola Jokic when he's trying to orchestrate a play. You see that a lot. I mean, there's a lot of play breaking with Michael Porter Jr. because he wants to, you know, show how how good he is. He already told us that he feels his shot is unblockable um, when he's shooting those threes. That's why he takes a lot of contested threes. But he understands that he's got to attack the basket more. Something he did against Cleveland, and I mean, Cleveland's been a, on a on a down tr- downturn, so that doesn't really you know, count in a lot of people's eyes, but I saw it. I was seeing, you know, him attacking the basket. He, you know, registered a couple steals, was a lot better on defense, just knowing where his spots were, got a couple blocks. Like when he's doing that stuff, that's when he's at his best. When he's just only focused on the scoring, he's always going to crash the glass. We know that too. But when he's having an off night, he's got to be able to contribute in other ways in order to keep him on the floor. And I think that's the biggest takeaway I see. Yeah. And, and, you know, he is only 22, but you look at Murray and Jokic and they're both 23, 24. So, I mean, the core of your team is very young. I think those two guys have already established so much chemistry together. And that's why I wonder about Porter. Is he going to be able to do all those other things that, that they need to, is he going to be able to figure it out in time? Right. Is what, is what you're asking. Because yeah. he's a, Hey, what, you know, the, 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 there's some talk that he's a bit of a pain in the butt. You know, he doesn't respond to coaching as much. Um, you know, he, I don't think he is giving a full fourth effort at every night, but there's still so much potential when it comes to what he can do, especially if he had more touches, if he had the ball more, if he had a bigger role, you know, that it's tantalizing for other teams. It could be risky because we haven't seen it yet, but maybe that's just a situational thing. So obviously you could get, you know, a really, really big package. I think if you include Michael Porter Jr. in the in a trade, it's just whether or not Denver wants to do that. And and I think they really have to take a hard look at. It. I've always been a component of that because even though Murray and Jokic are so young, they're in a win now mode. They want to win right now. And yeah, I yeah, they just they, got to the Western Conference Finals for God's sake. Exactly. And Jokic is just playing so incredibly well. You know, I mean, this guy is so unique being a big guy that doesn't even jump and dominating the league from not only a scoring standpoint, but from what he can do when it comes to running an offense and rebounding and so many different things. 
that it's just like you could see all everything there. The nuggets are so close. It's just like, what else can we do? And it's just like, you've got this piece that, yes, maybe he could be the missing link, but he hasn't shown it so far. So I think there are some other things that they could get for him that would really help them compete or have a better chance in the now. And I think it'd be worth, you know, exploring that. Agreed. And before we get off of the nuggets, special shout out, Facundo Cabazo. My goodness. He's so fun to watch. Have you seen him just annoy the hell out of teams? <laughs> he, he's, he's almost like, uh, he's almost like JJ Barea in a way like where that was the comparison I heard the other night. Yeah. Yeah. He's like this, you know, shorter, shorter guy. He's not very big, uh, but he is just so fundamentally sound defensively. He's in your shirt. There's never a time where he's off your screen and he's just firing up these threes, finding guys with beautiful passes. I don't know if you saw the no look pass that went right by Kyle Kuzma's head uh, when they were playing the Lakers on Sunday. That was beautiful. I will say this though. Um, you know, he's a fun guy to watch. There is no way he should ever be playing 40 minutes in a game for the Nuggets. But uh, dude, I mean, unless listen, half the other team is, you know, not Will, Bar- Will Barton was out and Gary Harris was out. So you need someone to step up. He's playing 40 minutes. PJ Dozier was hurt. Like, what do you want to do? 40 they, minutes. That's too much. Bro, but what do you want to do when you're debt? You're gonna play a forward at the th- at the two? Or the, or the one? I just can't do? believe they played him that much. That's <laughs> what you have to do. Monte Morris was out too. They were down four guards. What do you want him to do? Play RJ Hampton more. I don't know. They did play RJ Hampton. They didn't have enough. 24 bodies. minutes. He didn't play 40. They had nine. They had nine guys, Brian. What do you want him to do? They had 10. They were, play, they were playing Marcus Howard too. Like, I don't know what you want. Obviously, you don't want to play him 40 minutes, but sometimes Jamal Murray played 33. Why can't he be the guy that plays 40? Because he's actually dealing with some nagging injuries that I he's know. been talking about. So yes. that, that I mean, the Nuggets are really getting hit hard by injuries right yes, now. Yes, let's and, not let's not take a hot take route there. That was a necessity. That's all it was. And he was sure. probably the best defense on the team. That's sad. It is sad. But that's also because hey, Michael Porter Jr. Why aren't you being the guy that everybody talks about going? You know he's playing the best defense of his life. Look at what he's doing. He's shutting down guys. He can play. He can shut down guys from four positions, maybe five. Why isn't that coming from Porter Jr.? It should be, and that's something they have to figure out. Train him for Bradley Beal. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, <laughs> Brian, did you want to talk about uh, your Lakers before we get into the uh, next subject? Well, I think we need to talk about them just from the standpoint that they're going to be missing Anthony Davis for, you know, probably the next month. I know that they said two to three weeks. I've always been the believer that it was going to be longer than that because they want to be safe. And, you know, his agent, Rich Paul, already came out and said, like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be three weeks. It might be a little bit longer. And, you know, he's been dealing with this inflammation of his Achilles that's scary enough. Um, and then now they're calling this latest injury a strained calf muscle. So it's, you know, lower leg stuff that's going on. And the Lakers believe we just need him to be right. You know, come playoffs, you know, just make sure that he's playing some games down the stretch, that he's healthy, that he's good. This is something when it comes to the Achilles, he's been dealing with all season. Um, you know, when he got injured on Sunday, he said that when he woke up that morning, he felt the best that he probably felt all season. He felt right. And he had just missed. He had just come back from a game or played a game. And before that, he had missed two. And um, 
you know, he gets injured in this game against the Nuggets. And it's something to look for with the Lakers, you know, because if, if Davis has to miss, you know, time at the end of the season, or if he's not right, you know, in the playoffs, that's the biggest thing that's going to make them vulnerable. You know, that that's going to give teams an opportunity against them. Um, so it's something to look out for. In the meantime, Cal Kuzma's getting the start. He started, you know, on Tuesday night against the Timberwolves. And, and, you know, when Kuzma has started this year, they have played really, really well. I mean, you never want to miss a guy like AD, obviously. He's, you know, a top 10 player in the league. But Kuzma has stepped up. And he is a guy that this year has really accepted his role. And it's something that LeBron and the Laker brass have really touted about. Like, hey, this guy, you know, last year was struggling, didn't exactly know what his role in the team was. But, you know, he gets the contract extension in the offseason and he's figured it out and he knows his role is I'm going to hit open threes. I will drive when needed. But my biggest thing is playing defense. And he has become a very good defender, both, you know, when it comes to one on one and team defense, he really relishes it, takes a lot of charges. He's blocking shots now um, and he crashes the boards, especially uh, on the offensive end. So, um, you know, the Lakers will have to watch them for the next you know, two, three, four weeks. I think it's probably going to be closer to four weeks without AD. We'll see if they slip, you know, in the Western Conference, which is obviously very tough. But um, I'm more curious not to see what their win-loss is going to be um, as much as who steps up when it comes to a Kuzma, when it comes to um, will THT play a little bit more and they ask him to do a little bit more scoring just because they need that because of AD's absence and um, what the look of that team is going to be like, you know, for the next month. I'm glad I let you complete that thought because I was just going to bring up Kuz's, you know, ability to hit the boards. Like I, I, I saw it. Uh, I keep saying I saw it in Cleveland, but that's also true because I, I live in Cleveland. So I'm going to keep talking about the games that I'm watching. Uh, but he just with reckless abandon is just springing up and getting these second chance opportunities for this team. Um, and it lo- just looks like he's playing with a, a, a more of a, a passion and an energy than he did um, in the past. And it probably took a little bit of time for him to realize, okay, I'm not going to be the guy who scores 18 points a game. I'm going to be the guy who's the, the, you know, the fourth option now, which is okay. And he's realized that. And when someone does go down, you can kind of revert back to what you were. Um, he, he's done an excellent job. He's having a great season. Uh, he has been like paramount to what they've been doing all season long. And I mean, I wrote about that. Uh, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, him and Montrez Harrell, who's going to have a, a bigger role, I would assume, with AD out. Uh, somebody who never backs down from a challenge. I loved. Did you see the quote last night um, that Montrez gave to uh, Kyle Goon about his size? Did you see that? I didn't see that. Let me pull it up here. It was one of the coolest quotes that I've seen. Um, it, it was something like. You know, uh, you know, they were asking him if he was, you know, afraid of, of being not afraid, but, you know, just kind of being undersized against those bigger guys. And he goes, you know, I don't listen to all of that. If that were true, um, then the elephant would be the king of the jungle. I've got it right here. I don't really believe in that smaller stuff, man, because at the end of the day, if you believed in that, the elephant would be the king of the jungle. And that ain't happening. Yes, it was a great quote, and I'm glad I didn't completely butcher it, but I just had to preface it. But that was one of the coolest quotes. That just shows you the kind of kind of mentality and the kind of dog that dude has in him, and he's always had that dog in him. 
That, that's why I love Trez because he just doesn't back down from anyone. He is as aggressive of a player as you will ever find. And he's going to step up for these guys when they need him. He's an energy guy. He brings a certain swagger um, with him. Now, let me ask you My this. My favorite though. thing is after he dunks on somebody and you just see him just like prop oh. up his shoulders and start barking at somebody like, I love that. Just because it's an energy that just plays with such passion and such, you know, reckless abandon. He, he lately, he's had a couple of dunks where it's one of those guys all around him and he kind of just muscles up and two hand dunks on him, you know, not like necessarily in their face, but just kind of through them lately. Let me ask you this though, because this is something that's very controversial. Okay. Lakers TV announcer, Bill McDonald has coined the term and used it all times. Whenever Montrez Harrell gets a block, he screams, no Trez passing. Are you on board with that? I am off board with that. <laughs> I almost said coos control and I stopped myself. Oh, that's a good one. too. So, oh, trust yeah. me. There's a lot of people because out of nowhere, Bill McDonald just screams, no trespassing. And some people are kind of like, eh, it's like one of those things where like, if you're a fan of the team, it's like cool and everybody else hates it. Yeah. <laughs> gonna gonna go ahead and, and move on. Um, I mentioned, okay, I mentioned when we were talking about the Celtics that the Wizards had beaten them on that Sunday. Uh, I've been watching more Wizards basketball than I have all season. God bless you. So, God bless me. Exactly. But Brian, they've won three out of their last five. And in the last two, particularly Scott Brooks might've found something. Got a win over Houston to split that season series. And then they had that convincing win against the Celtics. Now, I'm not all hands you know, on deck about the Wizards making this huge run, but they are still hanging around because nobody's separating themselves other than like the four or five teams that we were talking about last week. And they have Bradley Beal. But my kind of thing, just looking at what this Wizards team has done, has given Moritz Wagner, one of your former Lakers, legitimate playing time they've put him into the starting lineup he's playing with energy he's getting deflections he's not really hitting his threes he's all right you know he's not somebody who's going to bring a crazy offensive game but it's the energy and it's the the deflections the steals and just the overall pick and roll game that he's playing with guys like russell westbrook and bradley beal and you know raul nito that that's very effective. And that's something they've been missing at the center position since Thomas Bryant went down. They tried Alex Len. They've tried Robin Lopez, but Mo Wagner making a huge difference for them. And uh, it's a very small sample size. So I might be getting ahead of myself, but from those two games that I watched, it looked like they had a little bit of chemistry and they're not turning the ball over. And, you know, Russ is still taking a ton of shots. We know he's going to do that. That's just Russ. That's who he is. But it looks like he's got a little bit of a thing going here with Mo Wagner. And uh, it showed the last couple of games. So does that mean there's two trains now that, that you're running? The Russell Westbrook train and the Mo Wagner? I'm on both. <laughs> I, I think I think you're, you're leading the no, charge. I know. On I'm, both. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I know. Uh but I'm just saying they they found a little something, and I believe there was a stat out there that said like 
in five of their last games that the Wizards have had an actual, you know, respectable defensive rating, which coincides with Mo Wagner starting to get playing time and, you know, getting their guys back from, <laughs> remember, they missed like two weeks of action uh, because of the, the COVID protocols. They got Denny Evdia back um, and he's been, you know, eh, he's been all right, but that's what a rookie does. But I, I'm just, just saying they've they've been finding a little bit of something here. They so need a little bit they of something. Need some hope. <laughs> they they need something there because of how bad they've been playing. I mean, between playing no defense, um, it wasn't a car door against the Rockets, or it, it surely yeah. wasn't a car door against the Celtics, who were completely healthy, by the way. Yeah. So I mean, between all the problems that they've had, you know, they they need a glimmer of hope anywhere they can get it. Uh, you know, Davis Bertans is somebody who also needs to step up. And finally, we saw him get back to his usual sharp shooting, sharp shooting self. Say that five times fast. Uh, 18 points off the bench, hit five of six from deep. And that's the guy that they signed. Not somebody who's, you know, shooting below 35% on the season and struggling from, from deep. And that's, I mean, that's respectable on any team, but for Davis Bertans, that dude's a 40% uh, three-point shooter. And he needs to, he needs to gun him at the rate that, uh, you know, he's he's done in his entire career. Well, they paid him to continue being that gunner that can shoot at a high clip. And he has not done that at all. Nope. So, you know, that's one of those things where there were some people that loved the contract they got and thought it was forward thinking. It wasn't that bad. There's other people that just hated it. And uh, he has not played up to it so far. What was it? Four years, 64 million? Oh, no, 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 no. It was like five for 80. Oof. We'll see about that one. We will see. About it was that one. it was a lot. I'm I gotta look it up right now. In fact, yeah, five years, eighty million. Yeah. Okay then. Ooh, that's a sixty nine million of it's guaranteed. That's a big fish right the, there. The uh the final year, uh, they're on the hook for five. So you don't if you don't guarantee it, you only have to give them five. Okay. But reason I mentioned that Wizards team is because. The playoff picture right now, you're getting into the play. You're getting to play in game with 11 wins and they have eight. So they're not out of it, nor is Detroit. It's it's ugly, guys. It's really ugly. Well, look at the, look at the, right look now. At the East. Oh, I God. mean, dude, there's only two teams in the East that are above 600. They're the Nets and the Sixers. I mean, when you look at the West, there's five teams above 600. The Spurs, which nobody talks about, including us, um, are just a hair under 600. Unfortunately, missing a few games now because of COVID protocols. That that yes. is terrible timing for them. Right. So, I mean, the East, once again, is a sieve. And and some of this is because we thought the Bucks would be playing better. They have it. The Celtics, some people really liked them. Some people didn't going into the season. I thought they'd be a little bit better. You know, they've had their problems. They're not playing Marcus well. Smart Void. Yeah, Pacers got off to a quick start on the season. They have not played well. The Miami Heat have been just a total mess, even when it feels like they're healthy. They, they have not been able to get on any kind of role here. No chemistry. They've had so many different problems. I think the lack of practice is really hurting them a, a ton. So, you know, they've been a disappointment. The Atlanta Hawks, I think, have been a disappointment for a lot of people as well. Toronto, we knew they'd take a step back, but they're two games below 500. So, Eastern Conference is a mess right now. All right. As we record this, let me send you this link. Uh, Ethan Fuller, our news desk director, uh, one of our news desk editors, uh, really, really sharp kid, 
uh, Boston University, somebody who's been writing articles for us. He has this thing called NBA Sour Rankings. Yeah. And look at this first chart that, that he embedded here into this article. Uh, his latest one is entitled NBA Sour Rankings, How to Understand the Spectrum of Mediocrity. And he found a chart. Somebody put out there, I don't think I'd panic if I'm a Celtics fan. And it reads, surprisingly good teams are surprisingly healthy. So if you look at this chart, you see that Utah is far and away the, the, the best. But when you're looking at the, the way that it goes, there's two axes. One is win percentages uh, above or below preseason expectations. And the other one is number of different starting lineups used and games played. Look where the Wizards are. Look where the Heat are. Look where the Celtics are. Dallas. These are real things. It, you know, it's not, it's not a, a crazy revelation that the teams that have been hit by COVID and injuries are the ones that are so far to the right and low. Do you see the chart? Yes. Does that surprise you at all? When you look at no, this chart? No, it doesn't. And, and that's why, like, I'll go back to what we said about the Celtics is that they have struggled, but because of the injuries, because of different problems that they've had. And I think once they get healthy and if they make a move, the East is still in their grasp because there aren't that many contenders, especially in the East. The Sixers are really, really good. Yes, they are. The the Nets are really, really good. The Nets have been extremely talented. And there are so many people right now that really know their stuff that said the Nets are coming out. I don't care how good the Sixers are. Those three guys, um, their offense is just too damn good when they're all on the court together. Um, They will play better defensively when needed. It's not going to be a dominating shutdown. Just picked up Andre Roberson. I'm interested to see if that one works out because because he's had an an excellent career with the the Thunder before those those injuries. We'll see if he's healthy. But that team is just too talented to not at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and not get out of the East. But outside of that, I mean, I think Milwaukee is very vulnerable. um, And that's the only team I can think of, you know? So, I mean, when it comes to the Celtics, they've got moves they can make along with getting Marcus Smart back where they can elevate themselves. You know, so it's it's not time to panic, but it definitely is a time to kind of firm things up and really take a hard look at you know what moves they can make to help this team this year. What I tell you at the beginning of the season, though, Brian, my Miami and Toronto were going to be fine. They're going to be fine, and they're starting to, to make their way up. I know that Miami just lost their 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 last game, but still, once they get these guys back and start getting into a rhythm and. and you know, getting used to their environments, then they're going to make those, those, those climbs up the standings. And then you're going to start so. to see. My, Go ahead. Cause my Miami has just been such a mess. I mean, and I know that they've missed a lot of games and, and different things, but they're not a mess when they have their best players on the floor though. But I, I mean, they're, they're still, I, I, I want to see guys take kind of start to take those next steps when it comes to Tyler hero and Duncan Robinson. And I haven't seen that they're in so their far. second year. I know, but I mean, Hero should play, be playing a little bit better than he was, especially well, yeah, coming but, off the but, confidence that he had in the finals. Of course. Well, we're clearly seeing what happened in the bubble. Some things aren't holding true right now. Look what Jamal Murray's doing. Like, oh, know, absolutely. Like, like, so that, I mean, Tyler's coming off of the game where he scored 27, dude. About like, time. 
But I mean, it just it goes back to the whole consistency thing. You know, you just want to see yeah. guys, especially younger guys, take those forward steps. And part of that is being more consistent. I will say, I think they do miss Jake Crowder a little bit. Um, that, that oh, was a yeah. big, big piece for them last year. Uh, Goran Dragic, he just has been kind of, I, I feel like he, he's not been really uh, big face coffee, Goran Dragic. Um, he's, he's also been missing games just because, you know, he's, he's often injured. Um, Duncan well, Robinson, think- we've already, we've already mentioned Duncan Robinson on the podcast, how he's not been shooting to his capability, even though 39% is still good for the rest of the league. Right. But, but I mean, I think this is a team that really misses A.V. Bradley right now too, because he was the guy that was kind of play that, that spot that Jay Crowder had to some extent. Right. You know, right. and he was going to be that energy defensive guy kind of a thing. Well, that, doesn't that kind of contradict your point then a little? Well, I mean, it just, it just, <laughs> I mean, they're banged up. I mean, they can't yeah. develop any kind of chemistry right now. Right. Right. Which means that can you really take them at face value? And I think that's a, that's a good question for a lot of these teams. Can you take them at face value? Can you take the, the Mavs when they were struggling and like six games under 500 when Dorian Finney Smith was out and you know, when Josh Richardson was out and when, you know, all these, these huge role players that make a difference, Maxi Kleba, like those guys were out for Dallas and Dallas has been, been on an upswing now because they've gotten those guys back. Like, can you take these teams at face value when they're missing them for sometimes weeks, sometimes it's days, who knows? Can you take it at face value? That's, that's a question I have. The thing that I look at though, that makes it tougher in some instances where I need to see it a little bit more before I believe it is just because of how unique this season is yes. when it comes to when are guys going to miss more games because there is another COVID thing or, and it's not even necessarily flat out, injuries, yeah. flat out injuries in the case of the Memphis Grizzlies who can't right. catch a break. You know, that's going to be a part Orlando. of it as well. There is, <laughs> I mentioned this before, but the lack of practice time around the league because mm-hmm. teams are not practicing. And I think that's one of the reasons why will you look at some of these um, players that you think, Oh, they're going to take more of a break or they're not going to put on so many minutes, especially like a LeBron James, who has not missed a game so far this year and has played more minutes over the last two weeks than he was expected. And I think they look at it like we're not practicing. He's not putting on the hard work there or, you know, he's not taxing his body in these practices. Nobody's practicing right now. That's why there's no freaking defense going on in this league. And I just think it makes it difficult for guys, even when they do get back, you can't just turn it on. You know, you need that time to develop that chemistry on the court to get on the same page. Everybody has to get in shape as well because, oh, guess what? I missed a week here. Now I'm back for two weeks. Oh, I had another knickknack injury. Or, hey, we missed some games because we you have COVID. And it wasn't necessarily even us. Maybe it was some people on the other team or, or, you know, whatever. So there's so many different things that go into it. I don't think there's just one answer. But right. it makes it difficult, I think, to really get chemistry going, get everybody on the same page and saying, all right, let's get the ball rolling. And then sometimes that ball will start rolling, but it's a little bit slower than you need it to be because you've already kind of taxed yourself and you're so far behind because of all the problems that you already had in the season. And then on top of that, if you miss a game here or there, when it comes to, I think, injuries and the lack of practice and everything, I think there's a lot more knickknack injuries going into this year as well. Uh, you know, the Clippers have been a little bit guilty of that, but I mean, they're trying to be a lot more careful. I mean, we saw a game just recently where they sat down PG and Kawhi because of those injuries and they, they're a team that believes we're going to be there for the long haul and we're not going to risk it with these guys. Yeah. And that's a smart idea for them because they're still winning even without them. (laughs) Uh, 
But no, I'm I'm glad that you gave that explanation because I I truly want to know how people can particularly draw conclusions by looking at these standings when every team, every team is hovering around 500. So I don't get, I don't get how people, you know, you'll see fan bases just giving up on the season. You'll, you'll see pundits going, Oh, they're not who we thought they were like, no dude. Like I know that we're at a point where you should be seeing consistency and stuff like that, but there's only four teams that are doing it. Well, the other thing is, too, that we have to remember that I think we forget so easily coming this year, especially in the East, which sucks, is there's a playing tournament. So you don't have to be in the top eight. Nope. <laughs> you can get in that playing tournament, you know. And well, you can be as low as what, a 10? 10. 10 or 11? Yeah. So, I mean, you can get in there, you know. I mean, yeah. it's a part of it is you need to play well enough. I mean, you prefer not to be in that. But you need to play well enough to, you know, at least contend for that, but be healthy at the right time of the season as well and have that chemistry because it doesn't want to be another one of those cases like, well, we're going to make it to the playoff tournament. We kind of limped into that, but we're getting so and so back at the right time. I'm like, yeah, but if he hasn't played in a month or two months or whatever, it's just like, do you really believe that you're going to be able to just kind of you know, flip the switch? I don't. I'm not a believer in that unless unless you've been together for a long time and have already won together for a long time. Right. You have this listed on here and you ask, do we already know the NBA Final Four? So I'll let you address that one and I'll answer any questions that you have because you have one team on here. You you have a team that's missing on this list, I feel, um, that that could be a part of this. Sure. So I kind of... I am of the, and I'm not trying to do a hot take thing or anything like that. If for anybody that knows me, I'm not a big fan of hot takes. But regardless, looking at it right now, I really truly wonder do we already know the final four for the NBA? And those four are the Sixers and the Nets in the East and the Jazz and the Lakers in the West. And here's my rationale for that I think the Sixers have played so well this year and Embiid is playing at an MVP level. I think Simmons obviously has his nights. He had a game earlier in the week where he put up 42. Playing ridiculously good defense, by the way. Absolutely. Oh my God, is he playing good defense. The Sixers are extremely good. I And I think they're only going to get better, you know, even when Embiid has missed some games. Um, that's a team that's right for make sure Embiid and Simmons are good down the stretch. Add another player here um, before the trade deadline or, you know, on the buyout market. I think they're going to be there. I believe in the Sixers. The Nets are a team that's just so talented that once all three of those guys are on the court, they're playing together. I, I think they're going to be there. And, and those guys have enough playoff experience to where while they haven't done it together on the court, I think everybody's saying the right things and doing the right things, at least for now. Um, that they will be there. I mean, remember, this is a team that has Kyrie Irving, who coming off a championship was like, I don't want to be here and play with the LeBron anymore. <laughs> so you have that, but I don't think that's going to play any kind of factor into this season. And then in the West, the Lakers defending champions, they've got LeBron James, just get AD healthy. I think they're going to be there. They, they're one of the few teams in the league that can play defense and knows how to turn it up. And then the Jazz, you know, they've won 19 of their last 20. Um, they have just played so, so well and do it in so many different ways and have so many different parts between Gobert and Mitchell, 
you know, Clarkson now looking like the sixth man of the year. He put up a 40 game point game the other day, and he's really done well coming off the bench this year for them. And I, I just look at the, the jazz as such a well-rounded team, another team that can really pour on defense when they want. There are other teams, obviously, that are going to be talked about, you know, the Bucks, obviously in the East, the Clippers in the West, um, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, the Clips, you know, when you've got Kawhi and you've got PG, I still wonder a little bit about team chemistry. I wonder about some things around their bigs. I wonder about clutch time stuff with them. And I just look at it right now, and I'm not saying it's impossible for some of these other teams to get in there, but the way I look at it right now, the way it's kind of shaping up, I would, I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be surprised if another team broke through and the, the, those teams did not make the final four of the NBA. Okay. And that's your, that's your final four. I think the only threat I feel to the Nets would be someone like a Milwaukee or a, you know, probably even a, a if, if they get it going type would be like a Toronto or a Miami. Um, just because of, of the way that they play the game and they slow it down and stuff. Um, I, I think in the West, and I, I truly love what the Jazz are doing. I think that they're a team that if you tell them that they can't, they will. And they love every single second of this criticism. We've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast about how many haters this team has and how they just continue to just keep rolling. They're doing this without Mike Conley right now, by the way, and making all these threes and making these great passes. Donovan Mitchell, just as a playmaker is phenomenal, but I'm looking at the Los Angeles Clippers and I just have a different feel about them. I have, I have a very, very, good feeling about this team and it's their ability to adapt to situations. So spoiler alert, this is probably going to be out by the time this is posted on basketballnews.com, but I did an article on Serge Ibaka and Ivica Zubac being two bigs that Tyloo has as a luxury to adapt to any team. Serge Ibaka is the pick and pop guy. Vita Zubac is the, 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 the pick and roll guy. And when he rolls, you better believe you're going to know when he rolls. He's going to dunk on your face. <laughs> but just, not even just those two. Lou Williams finding himself the way he has over the last five games. We were a little early on that one. Not going to lie. We were talking about father time. And clearly he's just going back to being Lou again as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George miss these games. Don't know if you've seen his his latest stat lines, Brian, but he is on fire. If you see Marcus Morris doing what he's doing over the last three games, that dude is shooting 73% from deep. He just had a 30-point game. Mook is a championship player. I know he hasn't been on a championship team, but that dude is a championship player. Patrick Beverly, the heart and soul of that team, just like we were talking about with Marcus Smart with the Celtics. Patrick Beverly is that team's spirit and he does a hell of a job just leading them uh and then you, you talk about the quote-unquote other guys nick batum uh you know when he first started the season hot we talked about that and and how you know people forget 
how good players can be when they star in their role and they're not dependent on as the, you know, the top guy. I just think this roster is deep. I think it's good. I think they shoot the hell out of the ball and it's damn hard to stop them when you have all that attention on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who you're going to double. Someone's always going to be open. Someone's always going to have the opportunity to knock it down. I, I love this team. I do. And a lot of people talk about how they need a point guard. We've talked about the George Hill thing a lot. Even if they don't get one, I still think that this team is definitely somebody that you can look to get to the Western Conference Finals at the, at the minimum. They would be the team that I would look to break up the party for my four that I mentioned. I, I still have some questions when it comes to them. I mean, they are shooting at an astronomical rate. I mean, we talked about, you know, PG, who's still shooting 47% from three points. And now Marcus Morris is shooting 50.5% on the season from three-point range. You mentioned Which is shooting, ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and he was a guy that I understood why they resigned him. I, I was shocked at the money that they gave him. But... And the season started slow for him, but he's really come on. And especially in games where he has had to step up because they've been missing Kawhi, they've been missing PG. He has done it so far. And they have played really consistently. It's like you don't you don't see them really go in these bad stretches. I mean, they've only had back-to-back losses once. They did have that one stretch where they had lost three of five, but that was in early January. And since then, they have played, you know, that was the only better. time, by the way, that they've lost back-to-back games this season. Well, the, the only time they lost back-to-back was uh, February 5th and 7th. They lost to Boston and Sacramento. But earlier this year, they lost three of five. Okay. But that was that was in early January. But, I mean, you know, they won four in a row since then. They had a stretch, you know, in mid-January. They had won seven in a row, and they had won 10 of 11. So, I mean, you know, ever since that little blip, you know, in early January, they've really played consistently well. And they are a team that can... That is very flexible. Like you said, you know, they can do so many different things. So many different guys can play so many different positions. I just think they need to sure up a couple of things. But for me, it's let's see what they can do in the playoffs. It's going to be a different environment this year. Last year, obviously, was a much different environment. I think they were one of the teams that really got snake bitten by the the bubble. And plus, there were some things going on behind the scenes that I think they've obviously addressed this year. So for me, it's a little bit of, Let's see what they do. The reason why I like the Jazz so much, and it's not just this early sample size, it's that they have been together for a while. We've seen Mitchell and Gobert together for a while. And I, and plus just the way that they're able to place defense in some stretches um, anchored by Gobert, I really like what they do. I've been waiting for this. I think a lot of people have been waiting for this. And I feel like now they've got the pieces that are around it. And, you know, a big part of that has been Conley and Clarkson. Clarkson, who some people even laughed about with some different things. And then, you know, look he's at the leading he's six, six he's man of the year candidate. 18 off the bench. Shooting ridiculous. Making the right plays. That's something I saw when he was with the Cavs. Is he started to really find that playmaking side of him. I kept waiting for this because I remember I remember when the Lakers drafted Jordan Clarkson and I saw him in summer league and thinking like they've made a really good pick here. This guy could play. And when he was with the you know those early years of the Lakers, he could play. But you could but he was kind of all over the place and you could tell it wasn't the right fit for him. So they they moved him you know, on to Cleveland and then he's since gone to Utah, but he's, he's found himself over the years now and he's in a really great spot. Now he knows his role. He understands it. He knows what's needed. And um, I don't think he presses as much as he once did, 
you know, and he's not counted on to be like, you've got to be the top guy in this team or number two or whatever. I think he was always trying to do too much. And now he's just kind of, he's been in the league long enough. He understands his game. I think everybody understands him a little bit better and he's found a really good fit in Utah. Yep. And I, I continue to, to pound on this too, but Bojan Bogdanovic, the difference in spacing, they didn't have him in the bubble. He has just been magnificent. Um, but those two teams, Brian, Clippers and Jazz, have a double date this week. Actually, right when this podcast gets released, probably, same day, Wednesday night, Clippers Jazz, Clippers hosting. And then they do it again on Friday. Hopefully for at least one of those, we get Kawhi in there. I know that Paul George is, they were being really cautious with Paul George's foot, but I hope to see at least Kawhi in that one um, for one, at least. And then we also have Nets and Lakers. Nets at Lakers on Thursday night. No AD. And we'll see who plays for the Nets. Yeah, I know that sucks. <laughs> it's, that sucks. I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean to take the air out of the balloon, but it's just like, oh man, really? Right. I right. mean, I, I don't think Durant's going to play with, what is it? A hamstring issue that he's got. Yeah. And then uh, Kyrie, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, you, I'm surprised we made it all this way without you asking me what you're highlighting right now. <laughs> uh, so did you want to um, kind of put me on the spot here about this? Because I've talked about it a lot. Yes. Uh, but it, this is this is our podcast, though, so we should probably address it. So let's wrap up with this because there was a couple of big situations going on this week when it comes to trade buyout situations with two teams saying we're going to bench guys and we're going to we're going to try to find trades for them. The Pistons have done this with Blake Griffin. The Cavs are doing this with Andre Drummond. Um, Drummond has been playing well for a good stretch of the season. Griffin has dealt with injuries and he's got a incredibly bloated contract. Um, you know, Drummond's in the final year of his deal with the Cavs, but uh, both of them are now being benched and those teams are trying to move those guys and we'll see if they can find any kind of fit partner with them. I, I think it's going to be tough, especially for Blake, um, but that contract is. To, well, he's to, only to got one this match. year and next, right? Yeah, but it's it's monstrous. It is. What is it like? Thirty six. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. He's that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of dough to try um, and match 36 and a half this year. And then almost 39 next year as a player option. And you know, he's going to opt into that. (laughs) Yeah. He'd be crazy. (laughs) nuts. So you could buy a lot of Kias to jump over with that money. Oh yeah. Oh, if he can still do it. Oh God! I don't think so you can watch him. It's can I so give you? A, can him. I give you a crazy stat? And he was. It wasn't even that long ago when when he was doing really good things uh, as a playmaker. Um, you know, as a a decent shooter uh, when he first arrived to to Detroit when he had that renaissance year with the Clippers and in just in two years it has just gone south, man. It's gone south. Let me give you the crazy, one of the crazier stats that I have seen uh, in a while. This comes from Mark Stein and his newsletter. <laughs> Blake Griffin's last dunk for the Detroit Pistons came on December 12th, 2019. 
That is 433 days ago. Can you repeat that? Blake Griffin's last dunk for the Detroit Pistons came on December 12th, 2019. A stat, according to Stathead, that is 433 days ago. Oh, man. Blake Griffin. The fall is much worse than the rise. The fall happens quicker than the rise. Good grief. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. I I really hope he has a lot more left in the tank and that maybe he's been dogging it in Detroit. But when I do see him out there playing, you know, closing games and having significant minutes, like it, it's hard to watch because you know how athletic he once was. You know how he came back from all those injuries. And again, like I said, was just two and a half, three years ago when he looked great. And it's just the last two years. Just Shout out to, to the Pistons, by the way. Sadiq Bay, reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Hell of a game uh, this past week. When past, it comes to Griffin, weekend. though, I can't see anybody making a trade for him. I don't know how you match the salaries. It's hard enough to find salaries that match Andre Drummond, Brian. I know. And, and that's why I look at it. I'm like, there's no way they're going to find a trade candidate. They're going to have to buy him out. And now you look at that amount of money that he is owed. Okay. For whatever, for the rest of this season and then next season. Okay. So, you know, for the rest of this season, it's going to be what about he's owed 36 and a half. So we're talking probably still around 23 for this year. And then 39, so it's $52 million that he is owed. Um, if, if you look at it from that standpoint of they played about a third of the season, I'm not exactly sure how he is getting paid. If he has a different kind of pay structure, but if you look at that, like what kind of money would he have to take to get the buyout? What would the Pistons be willing to do? Because I, I think it's going to be almost impossible to do it. I mean, they, they might have to pay him the full amount or very close to it. Yeah. To get him, I mean, it might have to be a situation where they go, we're going to, we're going to pay you 97%. You know, you know, the, the only way that you take a little bit of a haircut is so he could go now if there's another team that he really wants to go to and wants him. But there's all that money on the table with the player option, too. So it's just like. <laughs> but I mean, if they, I, I know they have to pay him $50 million to go play someplace else. And then you'd be someplace else on a minimum deal. Yep. I, I think, you know, just here's another reason why you do it. OK, if you know Blake Griffin is not in our future. He is not going to be playing for us at all. And not it's, in a bad way, but it would be addition right. by subtraction. It's one of those goodwill things where you show around the rest of the league like, hey, we're not going to hold the guy back. We're being totally upfront about this. And we are giving him an option to go someplace else and continue his career and try to win a championship because we understand we're not winning one in the next couple of years. It's kind of like that, that goodwill gesture. So I can understand it from, from that standpoint. Now, here's the other question, though. Say Blake gets bought out. And he's probably going to sign somewhere, even if it's on a minimum deal. What team's going to be interested in in grabbing him? Where does he go? Boston. Boston. I just thought of Boston. He's been tied to Boston for a little while. Would Portland make sense? He's more of a four. I mean, what role do you see Blake Griffin playing in going forward? That's a good question. I, I I really don't know because what I've seen from him is that his his body's breaking down. Bench um, guy for 15 minutes that is more of a jump shooter than anything. God, you really want to make him a jump shooter? He already is. 
I know. I know he's taking so many threes now. Oh man, you can't. I mean, you can't use him in the post. He he is he is a a very underrated playmaker. Yes. Um, may use utilize him in that like Boris Diaw type of role, you know, mm-hmm. like or a Batum role. How about that, huh? Like you could utilize him in that way. I just you don't could. know what team. Yeah, no, that that's going to take some thinking. Golden State, Miami. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's some there's some ideas. Yeah. So what about Drummond? Because that we've talked about Drummond all year because people yeah. have been wondering about him being in the final year of his deal, and he makes what twenty six. Uh, he is twenty eight point seven million dollars. Good for him. Yes. Very good for him. <laughs> so the Cavs have to take at least twenty three million back. Um, but, and that's another did you, case. Did of, you by chance get the, get get the opportunity to read my article? about destinations and did you want to ask me about any of those tell me where you think he is the best fit the best fit yes uh the situation changed but i think oh uh, the i think the raptors would work um that it, you gotta it, you gotta somehow find the way to to make a, a deal feasible um, with a recent situation, I think that the New York Knicks are a great fit. And that was before Mark Berman's report came out yesterday. That was something I speculated on a Monday. Um, I think in a, a mm, depends on how much the Kings love Rashawn Holmes and he's been out of his mind this year. Uh, but I, I know how impatient that organization can get. I understand they're under new management with Monty McNair. But I think that the Kings could be a fit. Um, who else needs big men, Brian? Well, I know the they, Hornets, right? Hornets need it, right? But the, the Hornets Net, would have to give up. Hornets do. The Nets. A decent, a decent I don't, player. The Nets are a team that everybody talks about when it comes to Drummond. The only way he gets to Brooklyn is a buyout. That's the exactly. only way. Exactly. The Nets would be so dumb to give up Joe Harris for him. It would be Joe Harris and, and DeAndre Jordan, I believe. So uh, if they didn't want to do that, if they didn't want to do that, they would do Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan. Or, you know, like, or Dinwiddie and Harris, which again would be so dumb. Uh, the Cavs could totally use someone like uh, a Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie, but that's just way too much. Especially for someone on an expiring deal. So, but the reason the reason that Andre Drummond and the Cavs want to get a deal done instead of a buyout, though, and people do not realize this, is that Drummond wants to keep his bird rights. Yes. Because bird rights are huge when it comes to the, the ability to re-sign someone while, while a team is over the cap and going into free agency. You do a buyout, that goes away. You're leaving a lot of money on the table. I just think it's going to be difficult to find... A, uh, somebody that's going to be able to match that salary to come up with the 23 million that works. The, the, the Knicks, way it works is if you find another team. I know, but I mean, that's why I think the Knicks are probably about the best fit. Aren't they though? And, and don't they have two rotation guys that are not playing that could fit for Cleveland as reclamation projects? Yeah. You look at a guy like Kevin Knox, look at a guy like Frank Nilakina who don't see minutes 
And he's a guy too, that even if he's not in the long-term plans, depending on what kind of money the Knicks could sign him up for, they, they can move him. Right. And Mitchell Robinson has been doing such a great job there, but he's still what? 22. Yeah. And Tom Thibodeau is always in win now mode. Always. No and, matter and what people, that Knicks ownership is going to be. I mean, look at, they just traded for Derek Rose. That, that was exactly my point in the article. And people were like, oh, why would they do that? I don't think it's that because it's Tibbs. An idea. Tibbs is telling them there's no freaking way that I'm playing for the future. We are playing to win. Now I play to win every game. He took a team to the playoffs with Nate Robinson. Come on, man. So he's not going to back off. I mean, I understand what management has to me though, with, with Tibbs and I know it's play for the future, kind of a different thing, but the biggest thing for the Knicks is just kind of, getting the stink off that franchise more and than they, anything. They've been doing it. I mean, you just saw what Julius Randle did in that 40, oh. 40 something point night, 44 point night. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Randall was a guy. What did we talk about earlier in the year? You knew everybody knew this. Oh, well, Randall's playing so well, man, the Knicks are going to get something for him before the trade deadline. And absolutely. They could. Why would the Knicks trade him though? At yeah, this point, there's, there's literally like, no reason right now. Tibbs would, Tibbs would blow a gasket. Not that he doesn't anyway, but, I mean, you you talk about changing the culture of a franchise, and I think that that's what they've got. They've got guys on the court that play really hard, and Tibbs gets out of it. Can you grind you into a pulp? Absolutely can, but I don't think we're at that point or even close and, to and, it. And I'd like to admit a little bit of fault too there uh, with the Derrick Rose trade. They're playing Emmanuel quickly right next to the to the vet, and. Uh, Quickly's minutes have actually gone up since that trade. So that was that was a little bit of a overreaction by me and too quick of a reaction by me. And I usually don't do that. Uh, but but they've been playing them together and uh, Quickly's been closing games. So that's that's big time for him. I was looking at it. I don't know where Toronto comes up with the right money to, to do the They deal can do it. The problem is it would have to be a four for one. So do you want me to go through the scenarios that I put up? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I looked at Toronto. Uh, it would have to be a deal with Norman Powell, Aaron Baines, Patrick McCaw, plus one of Matt Thomas, Terrence Davis, or Paul Watson. Does because that really make gonna, sense? They're, they're not going to trade Stanley Johnson the way that he's been playing and, and making a huge difference off the bench. Same with DeAndre Embry. They're not going to trade them. Um, so that that's, does, that's one that, deal. That deal to me does not make sense from Toronto's standpoint. Uh, yeah, they would have to add somebody else because they would be leaving an open roster spot at that point. That's a lot. But they've also been looking to move uh, Norman Powell uh, from the scuttlebutt around uh, the, the rumors that have been 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 going around. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, which I think could use him for sure. Uh, James Johnson obviously would be the start of that because he makes $16 million. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein and Trey Burke. Uh, that is a deal that almost gets you there, but it doesn't. Um, would they be willing to give up a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Tim Hardaway Jr. to address the lack of rim protection that they have? I think, I think this is an interesting one, Brian. And I don't think anyone else has come up with this one. How about Drummond and McGee for James Johnson and Dwight Powell? Because then you address both. Um, you could that that deal makes more sense than I think they're not going to include Dorian Finney Smith. I just can't see that. 
No, and that's what I said there too. Are they really willing to to, yeah. to give up a starter like that or Tim Hardaway Jr., who's one of their best players off of the bench? Are See, one of the other that? problems with making a deal for Drummond is while well, he can help you this year, he's a free agent after this year. Yeah, and that's the that's the hard part about what Kobe's trying. But but here's the thing: there are players out there that have large contracts that some teams might want to get off of, or for example. The Kings deal that I just mentioned to you, if they weren't, you know, satisfied with Rashawn Holmes or if they were concerned about Rashawn Holmes' injury, Nemanja Bielitsa hasn't played in a Kings game, uh, I think, for a couple games, uh, and is is telling team, you know, telling teams that he wants out or telling the the world that he wants out. I think he heard our podcast last week when I vouched for him. You exactly, you brought that up. Jabari Parker has yet to play a game, but still makes a decent pretty penny. A deal with Bielitsa, Parker, and Corey Joseph for Drummond and Dotson works. Does that make sense for the Cavs? Uh, no, but you take what you can get and you get rotational players out of them in bodies. Well, you're going to lose them for nothing if you don't try to trade him. So, well, yeah, exactly. Who cares if you. Like- and, and, and listen, Brian, what did the Cavs do to get Andre Drummond last year? They gave up John Henson. Love the guy. But he he was often injured, uh, you know, playing 15 minutes a night, whatever it was. Brandon Knight, who was completely not playing and out of the rotation, he had, he was literally ousted from the rotation. He was not playing games, and a second round pick got him Andre Drummond, somebody who was a, a, a an all star at one point of his career. So what the hell do you think they're going to get back this year? Nothing much. What this move is about, Brian, is opening up minutes for Jarrett Allen. Plain oh, and absolutely. Simple. Let me Plain ask you simple. this, because I understand why it's beneficial for both the team and for Drummond to get a deal done. If one is not really out there, what do you think the chances are of a buyout? And where do you think he goes then? Because I would think that there would be probably, what, half the league that would line up to try to get him? Oh, for sure. Um, I'm told right now by league sources that a buyout is currently off the table, but notice the word currently. Um, they're going to try to do their damnedest to, to get a deal done before the 25th um, of March, which is the trade deadline. I somehow think they're going to do it. I, I don't see... Kobe Altman letting this guy go for nothing. He should very least. He's going to get a pick, you know, a second round pick, maybe, maybe a young talent that's not playing. Maybe, you know, find something out of it. He's able to, you know, execute. Here's the thing too. Cavs have done a lot of teams favors by facilitating trades in the past. They facilitated a ton of multi-team deals. So maybe that, favor doing in the past is going to work out in their favor this year. I don't know. Maybe. Because, I mean, yeah. if, he, if he was bought out, then I would think that Lakers... And Trevor doesn't Cl- want to leave money on the table, too. That's the second right. part. Right. Like, Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, Portland, like, there there would be a ton of teams that would be lining up for his services. He'd be signed up in a heartbeat. But it makes it makes too much sense. It would be a bad move for the 
were both the team and the player to not move him. And like you said, they're not going to get much for him. I think it's very limited in the spots where he can go. Um, what about but, there, but there are some options, you know, that Toronto is an option. I don't think that one fits as well, but I could see it. Um, I, I think the Knicks option is probably the best. I still want to speak the Kings one into to existence just because I found that one. <laughs> well, I hope was, you're right. That was all me. That was all me. <laughs> um, but the Hornets is another interesting one to me just yeah. because they, they're kind of on the rise. They brought in a guy like Gordon Hayward, who's a win now player, even though they have LaMelo ball, you see, you know, what Terry Rozier is doing. Can anyone talk about Terry Rozier, please? Because this is the guy that they brought in for that giant contract last year. You know, Would you rather have Terry Rozier or Kimball Walker if you're the Celtics. Oh man. And now we revisit this question. How, how ironic right, right in the final minute of the podcast. Okay. Well, we can, why, why, why don't you think about this? We'll bring this one back next week. Okay. How ironic is that? <laughs> wow. I mean, I'll, I'll let you simmer on that and then okay. we can, we can wrap this up now and then can I do something tongue in cheek? Sure. A drum in for Kemba Walker deal would work out interesting that's <laughs> that's exactly what the Cavs need a point guard <laughs> they do, they do. They oh man I hated that Alex edited that out when I put uh <laughs> in parentheses I I kid he edited that out no I joking said, you allowed in run. a serious commentator you couldn't let that run <laughs> you couldn't let that run man all right yeah no that that'll do it I I think that uh we hit every subject um yeah, Brian, did you do you have anything else to, to add before we wrap up? Get out of here. I I think we are going to be in for an interesting time here before the All-Star game. What exactly is going to entail with that? And then after that, then we get to move it and shake hey, time with teams. Pre-game, we got the skills competition and three-point contest. And at halftime, we got the dunk contest. Sure, why not? And the mayor of All Atlanta right, is telling guys. everybody don't go to her city because she doesn't want you infecting anybody or anybody taking a chance. So stay out of Atlanta unless you already live there. <laughs> stay out of Atlanta unless you already live there. All right, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. One of many great podcasts for you to go listen to. Neat and Unfiltered, Kenyon Martin and Jada Kiss. If you haven't listened to them, please go listen because they are hilarious. They are, are very good at what they do. It's a very natural conversation. We've been posting clips all over social media. James Posey and the podcast, Postcast. Make sure you go listen to that. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. The rematch with Etan Thomas. Just wrote a great article on uh, Jalen Johnson, by the way, today. Uh, and how people are unfairly reacting to what the Duke freshman's decision was. Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. That is for all the analytical people that love to listen to the X's and O's. Alex Kennedy podcast. He always has great guests, the Sheridan show. And of course, the follow through with Clips and Drew. You have us here at Keep It at 94. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. So make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, comment, give us some pointers, give us some, some criticisms, anything. Please uh, hit us up on social media. I'm at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. I'm also on Instagram at Spin Davies, and he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Other than that, make sure you go visit basketballnews.com. Cheap plug before we get out of here. I did an excellent interview with Nas Reed of the Minnesota Timberwolves, a big man on the rise. 
who's learned a lot from Carl Anthony Towns. We had a great conversation. So make sure you go read that. I also have my Andre Drummond trade destination list. So check that out. And until next week, we will see you later. Take care and stay warm.